Welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And for those that don't know, or for any of our new listeners, each episode we just take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. Um, the idea being that if we do all the hard work and then we share with you what we feel are the most important pieces of information. So everybody knows we are not experts in anything that we talk about on the pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you all, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Exactly, Ollie. Right, let's get to it. This week's topic is something that we definitely didn't know anything about. Today, we are talking about famous paintings. Right, Ollie. This, if anything, sums up what our podcast is all about. Because I've said this a few times, but I genuinely mean it this time. I don't know nothing about art. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. So it's it's that old thing where we've always said we like to cover topics where you've heard about the thing, you think you know a bit about the topic, but really, could you hold a five-minute conversation about it? Maybe, I maybe not. I couldn't hold a five-second conversation about this stuff. So we said that what we would do, didn't we, is some famous pieces, some famous paintings. And um, we reeled off between us four very famous paintings, paintings that you absolutely, if I asked you now, listeners, to write down four famous paintings, you'd probably write these down. Yeah. But we don't know anything about them. And that's my answer to what you normally ask me. I don't know nothing about this. <laughs> yeah, maybe- Do you know anything? Maybe a couple of them. Um, well, three of them I knew their name. There was one of them I didn't even know their name, um, but it's super famous. I didn't know its actual name, but I've managed to to visit a couple of them. So I had some idea about where they were, but I don't know anything about them. And just so everyone knows, this week, we aren't going to be interpreting the art that we're covering. This is more just giving you some of the information, some of the facts around it, some interesting information that you can then share with others. You can share some knowledge about these four different paintings. So the four that we are covering today are the Mona Lisa, the Last Supper, Scream, and the creation of Adam. Now, do you know you know, if you're listening to this, you could probably tell me what the Mona Lisa looks like. Possibly the Last Supper. The Scream, I reckon you could probably tell me. There's an emoji for the Scream, isn't there? We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, and the creation of Adam, you're probably going to know as soon as we tell you what the painting is. Yes. So that is the one where there are two people. Their fingers are really close together. They're two index fingers, almost touching. And that one is called the creation of Adam. But let's start with... The most famous piece of art probably in the world, uh, or at least the most famous painting in the world. we better start with my girl, old Mona Lisa herself. <laughs> and so everybody knows, if you're unsure of what these look like, we've put these up on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So go and have a quick look now at Two Guys, One Topic, just so you've got these pictures in front of you if you're unsure about what they look like. Who's not going to know what the Mona Lisa looks like, though? That'd be a surprise. Well, there was something that I found interesting about the Mona Lisa that I'd never really paid any attention to. So 
the painting, if you were to describe it to somebody, is a lady that sat there. But it's actually, so it's, it's, it's a woman of a half-body portrait, but it has a backdrop in the distance of a landscape. And I've never noticed that before about it. You mean there's mountains in the background, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not just so, like a, a, a black wall or a, you know, a curtain behind her or something. Yeah, and that is a big deal in the world of art, isn't it? Because that's one of the first times they sat somebody in front of something else than than just plain nothingness. Um, another thing that is a big deal in this picture of the Mona Lisa, it's called a three-quarter pose. So the pose... It, if you look at the picture, but it's cropped almost like you would do on your phone to the point, you know, it's just below her waist, I guess, and her up to her head. So that is something that they never used to do when they drew pictures of people. Whereas what they used to do is it would be side on, like, I don't know, what you, what do you call a side on picture? Like a profile? A profile, maybe a profile picture, or it would be a full body painting. Whereas what, what they've done here is, um, They've not done that. They've cropped it up. And yeah. when I say they, I realise we've gone right off of the deep end here. We haven't actually just... Who, who painted this picture? So it was painted by Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, and when? It was painted a flipping long time ago, which I know we've said this on a few of our pods previously. It, uh, it seems to come up that a lot of things that we cover is a long, long time ago. It's over 500 years ago, of around 1503 to 1519. Yep. And if you wanted to go and see it, you would have to go to the Louvre in Paris and you, you can do that. You can turn up, you can pay. It's about 17 euros or something. So if you're ever in Paris, go to the Louvre, you can go and see the Mona Lisa. She is there for you to watch. And one of the interesting things about it that fortunately, this is one of the ones that I have actually been to go and see is just the size of it. So I think with the with the painting, you think it's going to be quite you know, a grand painting, it's so famous, it's probably going to be quite big as well, but it really isn't at all. It's sort of comparable to about an A3 size piece of paper. Wow. So you, you're going to get there thinking you're seeing some grand thing and it's could fit inside your rucksack. Yeah. And it's right at the back of the Louvre as well. So you have to go a long way like to go and find it, which makes sense because that's the main thing that people go there to go and see. Yeah. And then you sort of turn around the corner and see it. And it's like, oh, it's only that big, is it? That's not big at all. And nobody really knows who it is either, do they? This Mona Lisa character, nobody, it, it, it's, it's, people aren't sure who it is. There are rumours that it might be people, but. Yeah, exactly. Really and officially. that's sort of what adds to, to the mystery about it. Apparently, there's a suggestion that it's the wife of someone called Francesco del Giocono. Giocondo, <laughs> um, so a portrait of someone called Lisa, Lisa Giocondo, um, but people aren't actually sure if that is the case or not. But yeah, it was it was painted between 1503 and 1519 when Leonardo da Vinci was living in Florence. And at the time, it wasn't famous, was it? When he painted it, it wasn't such a big deal. It's only in in the the hundreds of years since when as Leonardo da Vinci has been like, I don't know, put up on a pedestal as this genius character, this, you know, inventor, but he's also painted, he's only painted 20 paintings. So it's also one of the rare things he's done just over time, as he has become more famous, his work has become more famous and therefore the painting has just got more fame because of it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's been around for a long time and it's moved around um, a bit as well, 
So it spent some time after the French Revolution. What happened was that the painting was then owned by the people. So the French Revolution was in 1718 to 1799. And after that, they then claimed it and it, it was then put into the, the Louvre Museum around the turn of the 19th century. But it moved around a little bit. It was in Napoleon's bedroom for a short time. Um, it was actually stolen at one point as well. I don't know if you read that at all. Yeah, stolen in just 1911, I think. And this is another one of those reasons. When, when people ask, why is it famous? There isn't actually an answer. There's just all these different things have happened to it that have just made it more and more famous. And this was one of them. It was there was such a media frenzy about it when it got stolen that it just got in the public eye. And by the time it was returned, it, it is thought that many of the people in France, they sort of regarded it as a national treasure that they'd lost and then recovered. So then they suddenly like, this is ours. We've got it back. Hurrah. Yeah. And uh, it became yeah. more of a big deal, I guess. Did you hear about who one of the suspects were about who stole it in 1911? It was Pablo Picasso, <laughs> another artist. Wow. So he was held, but he wasn't charged for it. But he was held as potentially being someone that sold it. And then, as you say, yeah, it was then singled out by the French people as being this national treasure. And it was moved around during World War II. And they were made sure that it was really protected so that nothing would bad would happen to it. And they've, they've made sure that they've kept up this protection with it as well. And the, it's actually protected by bulletproof glass. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Although, who'd want to shoot? I think somebody threw something at it, though, I read. There is, there's a guy at some point did turn up a, a, years ago and threw something at it. So it's probably wise that they put some bulletproof glass. It also went on tour, didn't it? It's a rock star, was Mona Lisa. She went off to America in the 60s and Japan in the 70s on a little bit of a tour. Yes. Um, she went to New York and the, the National Gallery in D Washington. Yeah, a bit of a rock star. One thing that we were both looking at, weren't we, was like how much is it worth? Because paintings are obviously worth millions to millions. So the, the only real thing they know is that in the 60s, it was insured for $100 million. Yes. But $100 million in the 60s is worth north. It's like billions of dollars now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah, you're looking at a, a couple of billion in terms of its, its valuation. Yeah, but it's one true, of but but it can never be sold, can it, or something? Is that right? That's right. So it can't be sold because it is owned by all of the French public. So everybody has a little piece about it, so it will never then actually get get sold, uh, which is quite interesting. I think there was maybe, for, for those people who just want to know a little bit more about the painting and just have a little bit more of an idea about it, do you want to tell us, Liam, how this one was done by Leonardo? Well, it's not on a canvas, if that's what you're asking me. It's actually been painted on a plank, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, that's right. I, I don't know what sort of plank, but it is, <laughs> it's been painted on a plank. And so. he also used something which was sumato, sfumato. Yeah, it's a painting style, isn't it? So, so if you um, if you do go and look at it, and you want to actually sound proper, proper clever about your painting, he invented something called sfumato which is a technique it translated means without lines or borders in the manner of smoke. So he's painted her. He didn't draw an outline and then color it in. He's just sort of blended colors together and, and it's turned into an outline, I guess. So there's no outline that was colored, which seems like so obvious, but you know, 500 years ago, that isn't what anybody did. So when he did it, everyone was like, hold on, you haven't just you haven't drawn around her eye. You've yes. just colored an eye in. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
and there's there's a big thing as well that we've we've not touched upon about the the mystery of it as well is the whole thing about is she actually smiling or not yeah and apparently she smiles when you're around the room right wherever you stand she smiles at you or something yes so if so apparently it's really clever that if you look at her eyes it then makes you think that she's smiling is almost an optical illusion if you look at her eyes you think that she's smiling as soon as you look down at her mouth you then realize actually she isn't smiling so there's a bit of an optical illusion that da vinci is credited with with putting in there whether that was his intention or not i don't know but that is the case well there you go so that's a little summary of the Mona Lisa we did say in the week that we could probably do a whole pod about the Mona Lisa. So if anyone's listening and, and when we do our next listener, listener choice, you decide that's what you want to hear some more about, please let us know. But this Mr. Da Vinci, turns out he's pretty good at painting, right? Yes, you're right. And he is also responsible for doing our next painting, which is The Last Supper. Yeah, so this is the one. So uh, so let's describe the painting first, I guess. Like you said, if you go on to at Two Guys One Topic, it is on our Instagram feed. You can go and find it while you're listening. This is the famous painting of the Last Supper where Jesus is sitting at a table and he has his, are they called apostles That's around right. him? His 12 apostles, yep. Um, and it's depicting the moment just before his final meal, before his death and resurrection, Um is he's about to be betrayed by, spoiler alert, Judas. <laughs> That's right, isn't it? That is exactly right. If you want to go and see it, this one, um, this is at the, it's in a convent of Santa Maria della Grazia in Milan. So if you were to go to Milan, you could go and see this. You do need to book ahead though, because it being a convent, um, they only let a few, maybe 20 people in at a time. I don't think it's designed for masses of people. You do need to book maybe months ahead. And also you need to dress conservatively, don't you? Because yeah, exactly. being a convent, I don't think you can turn up topless yeah. in a pair of Hawaiian shorts. So for this painting, it was from the 1490s, which apparently was the high Renaissance period. And as we said, it's another one by Leonardo da Vinci. And there's there's a lot of interpretation again about this painting isn't there yeah about what it's actually showing um, yes. and people think it's, it's showing one thing and and the problem like we said is trying to uh, us trying to interpret it is very hard because we're not art critics no we don't know much about it um we do know that it's very famous for having exp- it's really ex- expression i don't know the word is expression like, the expressions yeah, maybe. All of the people in the picture have got really, really defined expressions. And the point is, it's just as Jesus is saying, one of you will betray me. And it's all of the faces of all of his apostles around him, like that, that shock, like, oh, wow, you know, what, what is going on? Yeah. And as Liam said earlier, it's spoiler alert, it's Judas. So Judas Iscariot. And for those of you who are looking at the picture now he's the one who's wearing red blue and green and is in a bit of a shadow apparently his face he looks a little bit withdrawn that he's then heard this sudden revelation that somebody around this table is is going to betray Jesus which is a story from um, one of the gospels so this is your here's a little piece of arty knowledge for you that I've learned so if I were to stand in front of this and pretend I know about art okay this is apparently 
Jesus is looking towards his left arm, which draws the viewer's gaze towards the loaf of bread that is in front of him. This refers to Jesus' prediction that the apostle who will betray him will also reach for the bread at the same time. And would you believe the person to his right, Judas, can be seen reaching for the same loaf of bread? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So there's your arty piece of knowledge about that painting. And the other thing to say is that as Judas is reaching for this piece of bread, he's accidentally knocked over the, the salt shaker. And there's a there's an, ex, a, an old Eastern expression, apparently, that betray the salt, which means to betray your master. So people have interpreted that as he's obviously knocked over the salt, which is... Yeah then in turn, you know, pointing that, that Judas is the one who will do this. Do you think that's, do you think sometimes though, what they do is they, they did, did that saying come around when this painting was made or way afterwards? And then they've taken the saying from like 200 years ago and gone, oh, that must've had something to do with this piece of art. <laughs> Maybe, well, that's probably an interesting point for me to then raise with you that something that other people have interpreted from the picture is based on the Fibonacci series. Oh, Fibonacci you, series. We loves a bit of maths here. You, you being is, a maths teacher, you, you should be all over this. So do you this just want to let sequence, people know what is the Fibonacci series? The sequence where the previous two terms get added together to make the next term. So you start with, so it goes one, one, two, three, five, eight, thirteen, etc. And the previous two numbers are getting added together to make the next one. And it's a very famous sequence. It's found a lot around the world and in nature and things like that. It's surprisingly in a lot of places. So yeah. you think they found it in this picture, right? Yeah. So apparently, if people are looking at the picture now, you can uh, you can verify this. So there's one table and one central figure, two sidewalls, three windows, and figures are grouped in threes, five groups of figures, eight panels on the walls, <laughs> eight table legs, and 13 individual figures. Yeah, that sounds like straws getting clutched right there. <laughs> I think somebody's gone, right, how can we fit the Fibonacci yeah, sequence? exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, a couple of other things, though. The, the painting itself was damaged, wasn't it? Very, you know, this is an interesting point of this picture, uh, painting. Um, it was damaged and started flaking and decaying very quickly, within yeah. about 50 the years and then it didn't help that obviously it's in Milan and it had been attacked um, bombed and stuff during the war and it had basically gone to ruin right yes yeah exactly and so what what they've done now is they've they've done a restoration project and it took about 20 years of this restoration it finished in 1999 I think is right and you can now go and see it but apparently there aren't really any of Leonardo Da Vinci's original brushstrokes left, are there? Yeah, so they've restored it, but does that mean like has a piece peeled off? Like imagine something flaking off the wall, and then and then that bit of flake was blue, so they've just painted that gap blue and filled it in. But that means he hasn't painted it anymore because is it all just peeled away and they've just repainted it? So is it really his painting? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, who's to one say? Of, one of the things we've not mentioned about it is its actual size, and it's, oh, it's enormous. enormous. It's, it's meters by meters, right? So yeah, it's it's like seven meters by eight meters. Um, I had read, yeah, but on a wall. There, but, there was something funny about the size of it, though, wasn't there? Yeah, we did mention this in the week to each other. It, it's painted on a wall, but they because it's a convent and they obviously use it. 
they wanted to put a door in. So they had to put a door in the wall that Da Vinci's painted this fantastic painting on. So they had to smash through a wall and they've lost part of Jesus' feet where the door frame had to go, which <laughs> is hilarious. Like, can they put the door somewhere else? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. And this is, I know it means more now, but Leonardo Da Vinci, one of his 20 paintings that he did, um, but yeah, we might as well just chop off a little bit and add a door in there. Why not? Yeah. But so anyway, that's that's the um that's the Last Supper painting. That's that that's that one. So, you know, hopefully as you're listening to this, you realise, yeah, I knew those two paintings. As me and you, we 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 bullet pointed, didn't we? Let, name some famous art, and we both said those two paintings almost immediately. Yes. As yes. same as the next one. So the next one is called I don't know if it's called The Scream or Scream. It's the super famous painting. You'll know it now. I've said it probably. Of It looks like a guy basically doing exactly that, screaming. And he's got his hands on his chin, on his cheeks, doesn't he? And he's sort of looking at the, the viewer or the camera. It's not camera, is it? Looking. And um, yeah, yes. that basically. Yeah, the emoji. It's a scream emoji. That's where it's come from, essentially. Yes. Yeah, it is. And so, yeah, painted by Edvard Munch. And this one isn't as old as the others. This is from 1893. You can very mm-hmm. much go and see it, can't you? It's in the, the National Gallery in Oslo, in Norway. Well, you, you say it. We should probably mention there are more than one version of this, aren't uh, there? A good point. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, so there are, there are, well, there are officially five we think we've read about. Um, there are some paintings and some pastels, but he also made, it's called a lithograph, which is like a print. Yes. I'm a bit like when you used to do those potato prints. Hi, this, this is what I think. I didn't actually read too much <laughs> into it. It's on like um, like a stone and you, I guess you, 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 you I don't know, maybe scratch in what you want to print and then you cover it in ink and then you can print with it. Yes. Um, so he, he has that as well, but it does mean that there are more than one version of the screen. But yeah, you can go, it's in Oslo. There's one in the National Gallery and I think they're building a new Munch Gallery or a new Munch Museum to open in 2022. And I think one of them is going to go in there as well. Yeah, but like, like you're saying, that the different versions of them, that he used different materials for it, didn't he? So one of them's done with oil crayons, which contain beeswax. Then he used one which had pastels. So yeah, he's he's done a, the same picture, but five times in, in various ways. And it's it's not that big either. So compared to compared to what we were just talking about the last supper this one is 91 centimeters high and 73 wide so it's less than a meter by a meter and it's okay. saying that this is the expert opinion on it and obviously we're talking about this is you know a man with it is holding his uh, holding his ears like he's doing a scream, but it has been widely interpreted as representing the universal anxiety of modern humanity. One thing you said there, which which I'd read differently, is you said man, and lots of the interpretation is the fact that it's very, um, like you can't tell the gender, like you, you almost can't tell the gender. The clothes are very, I don't know what the word is, like it's just, it's really hard to tell if it's a man it's or a, a good woman. Point. Yeah. Um, but here's a, a nice piece of, um, here's your arty knowledge, if you like. In Munch's, I think it was in his diary or in his notes somewhere, he wrote the following poem, which is part of the, the scream, I think, just to explain it. And then I'll explain why this means anything. So the poem goes like this. I walked along the road with two friends. The sun was setting. The sky turned a bloody red and I felt a whiff of melancholy. 
I stood still, deathly tired. Over the black, blue fjord and city hung blood and tongues of fire. My friends walked on. I remained behind, shivering with anxiety. I felt the great scream in nature. Any idea what that means? Wow. That's powerful. So that's describing... So that's describing the painting. If you look at the painting, again, it's on our Instagram feed. You know, the sky is, is blood red and fiery, but it's, it's interpreted that what he means is the, the person in this picture isn't screaming, but that nature itself is screaming at him and he is covering his ears to protect himself from the scream of nature, which is what the original name of the painting was. It used to be called Scream in Nature, I think. That's right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Similar to the Mona Lisa, this one has actually been stolen before as well, hasn't it? And a couple of times, wasn't it? Yeah. Twice, I think. That's right. In 1994, when the Winter Olympics opened in Lillehammer, there were some robbers went in and made off easily with the scream. And they were so pleased with their ease of this crime that they managed to commit that they even left a note saying, thanks for the poor security. Um, but thankfully, yeah, it was it was recovered within um, three months. Yeah, same again. They aren't, they broke into the Munch Museum in two thousand and four, didn't they? Stole a different version of it. Yeah, um, they were missing it until two thousand and six. That was by armed gunmen as well. So they were a little bit more serious this time. Sorry. They were they were pretty keen on making sure that they got away with it. Yeah, and a nice little piece of info: uh, Mars, as in the Mars Company, got a bit involved here, and they were trying to promote their dark, their new dark chocolate M and M's. And they were promoting it using like a museum and they were saying, look at our latest piece of art or something. And as part of the promotion offered 2 million M&Ms for the return of the, <laughs> the Munch painting. Obviously, it came back eventually and, and you know, they were questioned, are you going to give 2 million M&Ms to what is essentially a criminal? And uh, they said that they would donate the money, the, the equivalent money to the museum. Which, by the way, if you wanted to buy 2 million M&Ms, apparently would cost you about $26,000. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Nice little fact <laughs> so, yeah. All right. That leads us to last one then, I guess. So the last one. So, you, again, you know, you probably know the Mona Lisa, probably know the Last Supper, probably know the screen picture. This last one, it's called The Creation of Adam. And as Ollie has already said, it's that picture, super famous picture, two guys. We say two guys. One of them is supposed to be God. So, you know, just someone famous and the other one is Adam as in Adam and Eve and um they are they're touching their fingers aren't they just about to touch fingers it's painted on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel in Rome in the Vatican yes. and you you can go and see it can't you if you can go in there and go and go and look at it I think you've been haven't you yes yeah fortunate fortunate enough to go and have a look at this one and it is incredible when you walk in so it was painted by Michelangelo and this is, again, from way back, over 500 years ago, from 1512. And when you go into the Sistine Chapel, you can it's not just one painting. The whole ceiling, so it's on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, the whole ceiling is taken up with biblical stories. And as Liam has just said, this one is the hand of Adam and God coming together and it's trying to represent that Adam is about to be created from God. It was commissioned by Pope Julius II, and it was commissioned yeah, around 1508 and was finished on 1512. 
I think it's crazy that Michelangelo, just slightly off topic here, Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci were both around at the same time. Yeah. Like they were actually literally alive at the same time doing this. Like all this art stuff is happening together at the same time. I guess that's why they're both Teenage Mutant Era Turtles, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, he was actually, commi- he wasn't commissioned to paint though, was he? He was commissioned. He Michelangelo was really famous as a sculptor. Exactly, his, like, yeah. His main thing. Uh, he actually, one, one of the pieces of art we nearly did was the Statue of David, which is that, that famous white statue of that guy with a penis. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, uh, that is right. But he was actually commissioned to do that. And he, he said, Look, I've got a better idea. Can you let me just basically do what I want? And they, they said, yeah, go with it. So he ended up painting um, what he painted, obviously. And it, yeah, like you said, it, it shows lots of things, doesn't it? There's lots of famous biblical iconography. Iconography, I think that's the word. Mm-hmm. Like famous stories of the Bible. Um, I think Noah's Ark, Noah's Ark, <laughs> Noah and the Flood, that's all up there. Um, you know, lots of things. Adam and Eve's up there. The fall of man is up there. Um, but yeah, this is part of it. And because he was so good at statues, the the all the different characters, all the different people in the, in the pictures are anatomically absolutely spot on, aren't they? Well, yeah. And this is a bit of a thing about Michelangelo is apparently he was really interested in humans, the human form and bodies and what have you. And he used to dissect humans, didn't he? Just yeah, so you to can learn, learn about more them. about them. Yeah, so if you yeah you look at the pictures, look at like I don't, sounds really art here. The muscular to mu, mus, what's the word musculature structure. I don't know what the word is. How often do I say I don't know what the word is? I need to do an episode about learning words. <laughs> uh, yeah, like all the muscles of the bodies and stuff, they're all absolutely spot on, and that's because yeah he would take apart bodies and stuff to learn all about them, um, yes. which is pretty grim really i guess but i guess back then you, you know 500 years ago nobody knew about it so you had to learn about it um and sort of on that point then about saying you know and some of the arty interpretation about it so if if you're then at the sistine chapel liam you're at the in, in the vatican you're at the sistine chapel you're stood there and you want to say something about the picture to somebody what is it that you would say about that anatomical then- Body relation. There's two. There's two. One of them is if you look at the picture now, God and all of the, I, I, they're not all babies, are they? All of the other bodies around God. One represent, one interpretation is that he is inside, I think, the womb. And yes. that it, it's birth. He's birthing like life into humans. And if you look at it, he's inside this like red sort of sack. And there's this like yellow, um, green scarf coming down off the bottom, which they think represents like the umbilical cord or something. Yes. Yeah, I read that. So that's pretty grim. But you saying that another thing is so a, a scientist, I, I didn't write down his name. So if he ever listens, I apologize. That red outline around them all is like exactly the right size for a human brain. Yes. Like it is identical. It, it is measured to the exact scale of a human brain. And, and they think that might've been a, you know, cause he knew all of this about bodies that he put that in there. Why? Who knows? Yep. But yeah, like, like we're saying like anatomically correct in, in what he does. If people are looking at the picture as well. So the, the people around God, which are the, the cherubs, I guess. Um, but there is a female around God's left arm and mm-hmm. people have interpreted that as being Eve. So the story of Adam and Eve, um, that is the, the interpretation of, of that part of the picture. 
He he also talking about anatomicalness, anatomicalness. If you look at Adam real closely, apparently you can see he's got an extra rib. Because yes. that that right. First of all, how would you think to paint that in the picture? But also, it's because doesn't Eve come from his rib? Is I, I don't know a lot about that story, but I think he yes. comes from Adam's rib. So I think you know Michelangelo knew right. Adam gets life from his rib comes Eve. So I'd better give him an extra rib. And uh, yes. apparently you can see it if you look close enough. Yeah, yeah, they really did. With it being on the ceiling, there's there's one of the the rumours that he was lying down when he was painting it, but actually that isn't true. Um, so if, if you ever hear that in a pub quiz or it comes up as a question, that, that definitely isn't what happened. They just had a whole load of scaffolding. And even when he was painting it, he um, he, he fell out with the Pope when he was painting this and Michelangelo, he fled to Florence for, um, for a few months until he got ordered by the Florence police, by the Pope to be returned to then finish the, the, the painting, which took him four years to do. Four years on a painting, man. That's a long time. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's phenomenal, but that's a long time, isn't it? I think what, one of the things that we've not mentioned about paintings that are painted on a wall like, oh, yeah, here we go. like this, here we go. this has got a particular term, hasn't it? Yeah, because the um, the Last Supper was almost one as well, because that is on a wall, but Leonardo da Vinci did not want this to be, or he, he said this was not true, or in his instance. They're called fresco paintings, aren't they? And we think, we don't know, I think it's got something, to, as in al fresco, as in you eat outside. So the word fresco must mean something, but uh, yeah, when they're painted on walls... They are fresh, they're called fresco paintings. So, and, and the, the whole intricacy about fresco paintings is that they crush up the colours of what they're going to use and mix it with water and then paint it directly onto wet plaster. So it dries straight into the wall. Like. So it dries into the wall and it's then permanent. Yeah. Whereas, you know, they're not painting onto a canvas. But then what that means is for the creation of Adam, the ceiling. So there was a, a part of that ceiling that was then plastered each day. And then okay. he would then do the painting onto that. So it then dries in. That makes sense. So wow. it's all done in, in little segments rather than just, you know, one big painting. over. Yeah, he wouldn't have turned up and it just all be empty and he'd go, right, paint that. Yeah. You'd have to be following a plasterer. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I think that about sums up our famous pieces of art research, does it not? I yeah, think I think so. Much, I think I think we've touched. I reckon you could sit and talk to we. I mean, me and you have spoken about each one for five or eight minutes or so. Yeah, hopefully you've all learned a little bit. Have you got a topic takeaway, Ollie, this week? Yeah, I have, and my one for everybody this week. It just got me thinking about famous paintings and famous art is worth so much money and you hear about them getting sold on and, and what have you some of these can't be sold you know like we were saying the Mona Lisa it's owned by the public and then you've got you know the one in the Sistine Chapel that cannot be sold <laughs> but it just made me think what is the most expensive piece of art that's ever been sold and it turns out that it's actually another one of Leonardo da Vinci's and yeah. it's called the Salvatore Mundi which is a picture of Jesus holding his hand with a glass orb. And it's sold at Christie's in New York in 2016 
for $450 million. Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. Yep. That's it, absolutely insane. So the, 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 it was done by auction and the, the, the winning bidder was the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salam. But yeah, $450 million. Okay. So what's your right, two well, nice one is, topic takeaway, Liam? Mine is also about money. We said earlier that the Mona Lisa went on tour and at the time she was valued for insurance purposes at $100 million. So this is in the 60s. The problem was the insurance premiums to insure her, her, I say her, the piece of art, to insure the piece of art for that much money, for $100 million, the insurance premiums were so high that it was cheaper for them to just hire the best security in the world <laughs> and then not insure her. So <laughs> I've read, and I hope this is true, I hope this is a true fact, I've read that they did not actually insure her for $100 million. They paid instead for the best security in the world because that cost less than the insurance premium would have cost. So amazing. Like, we're not going to insure it, but it ain't going to get nicked because we're going to hire this team that it, it's just not going to happen. Yep. No, I um, like that. That's brilliant. Yeah. So Liam, then we, we've scratched the surface on these four pieces of art that we consider to be super famous pieces of art. Hopefully everyone on here knew what they were. But what are your thoughts on it now? Do you feel like you could have a conversation about each piece of these paintings? Yeah, 100%. It turns out that it's more, I like the stories behind them, more yes. than the the fancy interpretation of, of what it really is. Like, I like the story behind it, that basically what we've talked about. And I think that is interesting to me. Um, and that is something I would talk about to somebody moving forward. I would love you and I one day to go to the, the Sistine Chapel and you just tap someone on the shoulder by yeah. the side of them and say, do you know what? Have you seen that that red thing around God is anatomically yeah, let me correct? Let yeah. me tell you a few little things about it. But yeah, exactly. I, I feel the same. I now have a whole better understanding and that whole backstory and just love some of those facts that we've managed to uncover this week about those four pieces of art. Right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully you've enjoyed that. We will get back with you next week with a new pod on a new topic we're going to go off and do our one week's worth of homework thank you for listening and we will see you all soon thank you very much for listening everybody we hope you enjoyed our pod all about famous paintings if you have any questions or you want to add in any of your remarks about them we'd love to hear from you please get in contact with us at two guys one topic on twitter instagram or facebook We'd love to hear from you. Get out there and share some knowledge.